Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 14th of January 2023. This is Chris and your other readers are Kathy, Jeremy and Eleanor. This, the editor this week is Eleanor. All our members of Team One. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhampstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless otherwise stated. This week's headlines, Amazon closure, anger over tree felling permission, and football club wins grassroots award. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Cathy. Amazon has announced it wants to shut its Hemel Hempstead warehouse in a move to improve the experience of our employees and customers. The technology and e-commerce giant employs around 500 people in Hemel and said they will be offered roles at Amazon's Dunstable Centre and other nearby locations. A spokesperson for Amazon said, We're always evaluating our network to make sure it fits our business needs and to improve the experience for our employees and customers. It added, as part of that effort, we may close older sites, enhance existing facilities, or open new sites. And we've launched a consultation on the proposed closure of three fulfillment centers in 2023. We also plan to open two new fulfillment centers, creating two and a half thousand new jobs over the next three years. For all employees affected by site closure, consultations will be offered and the opportunity to transfer to other facilities. And we remain committed to our customers, employees and communities across the UK. Reacting to this news, Sir Mike Penning, MP for Hemel Hempstead said, I am very saddened to hear that Amazon have announced that they will close the fulfillment centre in Maylands in April. This is devastating news for Hemel Hempstead to lose such a big name employer. I understand that employees will all be offered work at an alternative site, many in Dunstable, but for many employees a move to a new location is not an option. It is a difficult economic situation at the moment for everyone. It is not a good time to lose your job. He continued, Frankly, I am disappointed that Amazon have not been in touch with me or Decorum Borough Council so that we could prepare to help the local families affected by this news. I am acutely aware that 500 local families will be in shock today with their futures up in the air and I really feel for them. The Amazon site in Boundary Way is a prestigious logistics site close to the M1, so we need to focus on attracting a high-quality employer to this site as soon as possible to bring more jobs to our town. Hello, this is Jeremy. Residents on Berkhamsted's Station Road have expressed their anger and disappointment after Decorum Borough Council, DBC, approved the felling of a poplar tree next to a pub in the town. An application to chop down the mature tree next to Crystal Palace Pub on Station Road was submitted to the council in November by its owner, Punch Taverns. The plans were approved on January 3rd. Jane Keenan has been a Station Road resident for over two decades. She said, it's a perfectly healthy tree and it's in maybe what would be perceived as an inconvenient position. 
a spokesman for DBC, said, We sympathise with the concerns of local residents. It is accepted that the tree is visible for some distance and adds to the character of the Berkhamsted Conservation Area. However, its poor sighting and the existence of several cavities and a pronounced lean means that we have significant concerns in relation to its safety, stability and longevity. The plans had 24 objections on the online portal and a petition was signed by more than 169 local people. Jane continued, It just seems really unfair that once again a tree is not deemed to be significant enough for it to have a tree preservation order, therefore it can be felled. But the council explained, Given the professional advice of the council's trees and woodlands officer, we concluded with regret that no objection could be raised to the felling of this mature poplar tree as the qualities of the tree did not warrant a tree preservation order. In the application, an arboricultural consultant said the tree is, in his view, in poor condition and has outgrown its position. The report shows how the roots of the tree are beginning to damage the driveway of a property next to the pub. DBC granted the application with the decision noted as raise no objection. Angela Walsh, another Station Road resident, said, No objection? Are you kidding? Why would anybody listen to a councillor from DBC? She said, I'd go to jail for it. Once that tree is gone, it's gone and it's just criminal. I just don't think our collective voice is being heard at the moment because we're just being permanently overridden. Angela added, It's part of the landscape, but not just to us. We need it to breathe. It cleanses the atmosphere and the air. The residents would like to see the tree pollarded, cutting off the tallest branches to encourage new growth at the top. Jane said, the tree has been looked at by tree surgeons. It does definitely need pollarding. It's been neglected over the years by the previous tenants of the pub. DBC continued, It should also be noted that the council did not deny the felling of this tree in the previous application. We would have reached the same view in both applications. However, in the previous application, the applicant decided to amend the application and only to proceed with pollarding works. Hello, this is Eleanor. A community football club in Decorum has been named as one of the winners of England Football Grassroots Football Awards for 2022. On December the 30th, Hertfordshire Football Association revealed that Berkhamsted Raiders Community Football Club was named as Hertfordshire FA Grassroots Club of the Year for 2022. Chair of Trustees at Berkhamsted Raiders, Chris Armand said, I'm absolutely delighted with this news. It's a genuine honour for the club to be recognised in this way. On behalf of the whole club, I'd like to say a huge thank you to all our volunteers, staff, parents and players who give their time and passion to making the club what it is. The club has grown its membership to over 1,300 and has continued to expand its girls' football section with more than 350 players this season. 
The club also runs inclusive football for people with physical and neurological disabilities, as well as walking football and the increasingly popular futsal format. Chief Executive of Hertfordshire FA, Carl Lingham, said, Our role at Hertfordshire FA is to support grassroots football and the thousands of volunteers involved in the game across our county. We're always full of admiration for those who give up their time for others, working hard to improve standards and increase opportunities in the game. The winners were selected by a panel of judges drawn from across Hertfordshire football after nominations were made by the public. This week in history. January 11th, 1917. A patriotic appeal was launched for the nation to subscribe to the new war loan to finance the staggering cost of the conflict. £5.7 million per day. On this day last year, archaeologists working on the HS2 route discovered how an Iron Age village in Northamptonshire developed into a wealthy Roman trading town. January 12, 1970, Nigeria's civil war ended when the Biafran army surrendered. January 13, 1982, a Boeing 737 crashed into a bridge, hitting five ships and killing 78 people on the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. January 14, 1904, photographer and stage designer Sir Cecil Beaton was born in London. On this day last year, an RAF pilot helped launch a rocket into space from over the Pacific Ocean. January 15, 1963, the BBC ended its ban on mentioning politics, royalty, religion and sex in comedy shows. January 16, 1928, Thomas Hardy was buried beside Charles Dickens in Westminster Abbey. His heart was buried in the grave of his first wife, Emma, in Wessex. On this day last year, the London Contemporary Orchestra, LCO, performed a continuous 24-hour concert live at the Barbican Hall. Five people from Decorum have been included in the New Year's Honours list. From Berkhamsted, Tim Johnson has been awarded an MBE for his services to young people through his role as Chief Executive Officer of the Great Ormond Street Hospital Charity. Barry Kempton from Tring has been awarded an MBE for his services to education and social mobility in Oldham, Greater Manchester. Another MBE has been given to Hemel Hempstead's Shirley Wilson for her services to the deaf and deaf-blind communities. Two people from Hemel Hempstead have been given British Empire medals, Alban Stowe, Senior Head of UK Government Strategy and Partnerships at the Prince's Trust, was given the award for his services to young people. For services to fostering, foster carer Gloria Swanston has also been recognised. More people are renting privately in decorum than a decade ago, new figures show. 
The latest figures from the 2021 census of England and Wales come as a housing campaign group calls on the government to come good on its promise of a better deal for private tenants. Figures from the Office for National Statistics show 9,093 households were renting privately in decorum when the census was carried out in March 2021, 14.3% of the 63,412 households in the area. At the time of the previous census in March 2011, 11.9% of households were private renters, meaning that the share has increased over the past decade. Across England and Wales, there are now 5 million private renters, 20.3% of households, up from 3.9 million, 16.7%, in 2011. Dan Wilson Craw, Deputy Director of the housing campaign Generation Rent, said these tenants are paying high rents to private landlords, face a much greater risk of living in a poor quality home, and live with the threat of eviction at short notice. He added that despite the government recognising the need for reforms in the sector, such as abolishing so-called no-fault evictions, it is yet to introduce legislation to properly support private tenants. Separate figures from the ONS and the Valuation Office Agency show that median private rent in the east of England was £800 a month as of March 2021, up 34.5% from £595 in June 2011, the earliest comparable figures. Shelter, a charity that tackles homelessness, said the only lasting solution to the housing crisis is to build more social homes. It pointed to a waiting list of more than a million households for social housing across England, saying that the social housing is lost every year to sales and demolitions. Polly Neat, chief executive of the charity, said, It's time for the government to invest in a new generation of good quality social homes with genuinely affordable rents pegged to local incomes. And continuing the previous story, across England and Wales, there's been little change in the amount of social housing in the past decade. Whilst the number of households in social homes increased from 4.1 million to 4.2 million, the proportion actually fell from 17.6% of households to 17.1%. The census figures also suggest it may be getting harder to join the housing ladder. The number of households owning their home through a mortgage, loan or shared ownership has dropped across England and Wales from 7.8 million, that's 33.5% of households in 2011, to 7.4 million, 29.7% last year. The same was true of decorum, where the share of households with mortgages or shared ownership fell from 36.4% in 2011 to 33.6% last year. A spokesperson for the Department of Leveling Up, Housing and Communities said ensuring a fair deal for renters remains a priority for the government. That's why we will deliver on our commitment to abolish Section 21 no-fault evictions 
and introduce a renter's reform bill in this Parliament. Two families from Hemel Hempstead enjoyed a special new year as they ushered in 2023 with a new baby. Early on New Year's Eve, Naya Muella was born while baby Halford was born just after 5.30pm on New Year's Day. They were among 17 babies born at Watford General Hospital. Mitra Bakatiara, Director of Midwifery at Watford Hospital said, our maternity team's hard work and dedication ensured the safe arrival of our New Year babies, doing what they do best all year round. Teaching vacancies advertised by primary and secondary schools across Hertfordshire rose significantly last year, new figures suggest. The Association of School and College Leaders said teacher shortages are at a crisis point and urged the government to address falling recruitment and retention. Data from teaching jobs site TeachVac shows primary and secondary schools in Hertfordshire posted 3,426 vacancies through its website over the course of last year, up by 71% on 2002, the year before. Of these, 991 were advertised by primary schools and 2,435 by secondary schools. Across England, teacher vacancies increased significantly in 2022, as the pro profession faced increasing recruitment and retention pressures following the coronavirus pandemic. Job listings on TeachVac increased from 64,283 in 2021 to 107,104 last year. The City of London, which has a very small residential population, was the only area to see the number of advertised teaching vacancies decrease. Some jobs can be listed more than once if they're not initially filled, and not every teaching vacancy is posted to the TeachVac site. The ASCL said teacher shortages are in crisis, with 95% of schools reporting they've struggled to recruit new teachers in the past. Jeff Barton, General Secretary of the ASCL, said, The government repeatedly misses trainee recruitment targets, and nearly a third of new teachers leave the profession within five years of qualifying. Mr Barton said, this is the result of a decade of real-terms pay cuts which have eroded the value of salaries and workload pressures caused by government underfunding of education, leaving staff doing more work with fewer resources. If schools cannot put teachers in front of classes, they cannot possibly maintain and improve educational standards. The government must work with the profession on a strategy to improve teacher recruitment and retention and back this up with sufficient funding. Continuing on with this story, across the country, the increase in teacher vacancies through TeachVac was largely driven by state schools, where job adver advertisements increased by 68% in 2022, compared with 52% for independent schools. In Hertfordshire, state school adv advertisements jumped by 71%, while private school vacancies also rose by 71%. Dr Patrick Roach, General Secretary of Teaching Trade Union, NASUWT, said, 
The crisis in teacher recruitment and retention is the product of 10 years of failure by a government that has lost the confidence of the teaching profession. It is little wonder that government's failure to invest in the profession has resulted in many experienced teachers and head teachers quitting the profession prematurely as a consequence of real terms pay cuts and ever rising workload pressures. The Department for Education said there are 24,000 more teachers working in state-funded schools than in 2010. A spokesperson said tax-free bursaries worth up to £27,000 and a new £3,000 premium encouraged trainees to teach subjects including maths, physics, chemistry and computing. They added, we are making the highest pay awards in a generation. 5% for experienced teachers and more for those early in their careers, including an up to 8% increase to starting salary. A statue damaged outside a church was smashed in what has been described as a religious hate crime. Between December the 30th and 31st, a statue outside of St Mary and St Joseph's Church in St John's Road was pulled down from a secure wall pedestal and smashed. A Christmas tree was also knocked to the floor. The Reverend Father Brian McMahon said, as it was very securely in place, it would have been necessary to apply force. This has been reported to the police as a religious hate crime. He added, parishioners are praying for the person or persons who committed this act of blasphemy that they may repent receive forgiveness and come to know the Blessed Mother as their mother. Hertfordshire Police said police have received an online crime report following criminal damage to a religious statue in Boxmoor, Hemel Hempstead. Officers are investigating and ask anyone with information to call 101, quoting crime reference number 41-105394, Twenty-two. More fully trained GPs are practising in West Hertfordshire boroughs than last year. New figures show as pressures on NHS services mount following the coronavirus pandemic. But England saw the biggest year-on-year -year fall in over three years in fully qualified GPs despite the government's 2019 manifesto pledge to recruit 6,000 more GPs by 2025. The British Medical Association Trade Union said that the continued decline in fully trained GPs, which means there are now more than 1,900 full-time equivalent fewer doctors than in 2015, is alarming and urged the government to take the situation seriously. NHS digital figures show that there were 393 full-time equivalent GPs in the former NHS Hearts Valley CCG area in November. But of these, 84 were in training, meaning 309 were fully qualified, up from 308 a year earlier. Nationally, there were 27,400 fully trained GPs in November, down from 27,900 in November 2021, and a decrease of 1.7%, 1 
the largest annual fall in more than three years. The British Medical Association said the hemorrhage of GPs from practices in England is alarming. Dr Kieran Sharrock, GP Committee Acting Chair at the BMA England, said, despite, despite problems to recruit 5,000 and then 6,000 more GPs, the government has now overseen the loss of the equivalent of more than 1,900 full-time fully qualified GPs in England since 2015. The total number of full-time equivalent GPs across the country rose by 1.2% from 36,200 to 36,600 in the 12 months to November. This was largely driven by a 10.8% rise in training GPs from 8,300 to 9,200. In West Hertfordshire boroughs, the number of GPs in the training grade rose from 80 to 84. The Department for Health and Social Care said it is incredibly grateful to GPs for their hard work. A spokesperson said at least £1.5 billion will be invested to create an additional 50 million appointments by 2024. There were nearly 2,300 more doctors working in general practice in September compared to September 2019, and a record-breaking number started training as GPs last year, they added. This figure includes GPs in training and the latest data shows the total number of GPs fell by almost 400 from September to November. An NHS boss has urged people to get protected against flu and COVID after cases rise across Hertfordshire and West Essex. New data from the UK Health Security Agency, UK HSA, shows that nationally there were an average of 3,764 patients a day in hospital with flu in the last week of December, which was more than seven times higher than in November when there were 520 cases. The spread of viruses this winter has led to 20% more NHS staff off with illness in December than in November. Now, Dr Jane Halpin, Chief Executive of the Hertfordshire and West Essex Integrated Care Board, is encouraging people to protect themselves against the viruses and help the NHS. Dr Haplin said, coming forward for your vaccinations is particularly important for those at higher risk and people who live with or care for them to help avoid serious health complications. She added, vaccinations are available locally every day of the week, so don't delay. Get your jabs and protect yourself, your loved ones and essential NHS services. Dr. Haplin advised people who are unwell to stay home if they can, to wear face coverings, and to avoid visiting anyone in hospital. Flu, COVID, and norovirus are all putting local health services under huge strain this January. Those eligible for a free flu vaccine, a nasal spray for children, and an injection for adults are anyone aged from six months to 50 years old in a clinical risk group, children aged two or three years old on 31st of August 2022, all primary school aged children, eligible children aged between 11 and 16, 
pregnant women, everyone aged 50 and over, and those in long-stay residential care homes, carers in receipt of carer's allowance, or main carer of an older or disabled person, close contacts of immunocompromised individuals and frontline health and social care staff. Flu jabs can also be booked online at NHS UK. To check if you are eligible for a coronavirus vaccine, go to heartsandwestessexes.org.uk forward slash COVID-19. An alarming quarter of Britons are considering quitting their job in January for more challenging careers. The nation's workers are reportedly stuck in career ruts and daydreaming of more interesting opportunities, according to new research. Over four in ten feel like they are on a hamster's wheel when it comes to their occupation, while almost one in two are dreaming of a career pivot. According to research by an international coding boot camp, 37% hate what they do and wish they could quit to do something better. An amazing 25% are planning to ditch their job in January to do something more exciting. Research reveals 37 to 38 is the age we feel most stagnant in our work life, with women feeling disillusioned a year earlier than men. The UK public aged in their 30s are most likely to be planning a work makeover, with 45% saying they spend their days daydreaming about enjoying a completely different position. Almost half would like to do something completely different, with almost a quarter admitting they have already made plans to start their own business this year. Some 17% would like to be a travel consultant, while 15% want to do something more creative like pen and novel. Acting, social media influencing and TV presenting also appear among our list of dream jobs. The technology sector proves to be popu a popular industry for those looking for a change with app developer, video game designer, web designer and VR AI engineer all featuring among the nation's dream jobs. Among those who have made the leap and changed their career, their advice is to have confidence and courage in yourself. Do not be afraid of doing something different and be brave and go for it. Remembering that life is too short to stay in a job you do not like is also key. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. Two thirds of people want to lose weight. On average, we would each like to lose two stone as we feel this would make us A, healthier, that's 41% of us, B, fitter, that's 34% of us, and C, more confident, that's 24% of us. 77% of the nation have felt stuck in a rut when it comes to dieting. More than 16 million Brits have been reduced to tears because of their weight. Four in ten of those with weight concerns also have anxiety. Those with weight concerns have associated conditions such as joint pain, high blood pressure, and 15% of which are being prescribed medication. 
Many people don't know they've got weakened bones until one of them breaks. You wouldn't think coughing or sneezing could break a bone, but if you're one of the three and a half million people in the UK and Ireland living with bone thinning disease osteoporosis, it could. Osteoporosis mostly affects women over 50 due to oestrogen levels dropping rapidly after menopause. But bone health is still an important consideration for everyone at every age. Osteoporosis causes 500,000 broken bones every year in the UK and has a devastating personal and financial impact on people's lives, explains Lauren Wiggins of the Royal Osteoporosis Society. ROS website theros.org.uk. It's often referred to as a silent disease because of under-diagnosis, under-treatment and low public awareness. As well as age and sex, the condition can also be linked to genetic factors, taking certain medications such as corticosteroids and certain illnesses like anorexia. Low body weight, smoking and excessive alcohol intake are also risk factors. The ROS knows it's all too, e too easy to take our bones for granted until they break. One, you may not know you've got osteoporosis until it's too late. Osteoporosis doesn't have any symptoms and an easily broken bone after a minor pump, bump or fall is often the first sign bones have lost strength. It's a common misunderstanding that osteoporosis causes aches and pains, says Wiggins. The condition itself doesn't cause pain, but the resulting impact of a breaking, breaking bone can be painful. It can lead to loss of independence. Bone injuries can affect your independence too. Fractures to the legs, hips or spine can affect mobility in the short term and fractures to the arms or wrist can impact on everyday tasks. Broken bones not only cause severe pain and significant short-term impact on quality of life, but can sometimes result in long-term disability and a loss of independence, Wiggins adds. Three, it can affect your height. With many osteoporosis fractures happen after a fall, spinal fractures can occur without an obvious accident or injury and may be painless. The ROS explains that fractured bones in the back can squash down and become flattened or wedge-shaped and will stay in this shape after they've healed, changing the shape of the spine. Wiggins explains, if you experience a number of spinal fractures, this can lead to height loss because of curvature of the spine. And four, work and home life can be impacted. The ROS says osteoporosis fractures can mean some people have to stop working because of the pain and or disability. Many people living with osteoporosis report that their or their partner's work is impacted by the condition, causing them to reduce their hours or retire early, says Wiggins. And continuing, five, weight can make a difference. The ROS warns the risk of osteoporosis and broken bones increases if you're underweight or overweight, so it's generally a good idea to aim to keep your body weight within a healthy range. And six, 
Exercise helps reduce the risk. Bones stay strong if you give them work to do, says the ROS, explaining that a combination of weight-bearing exercise with impact and muscle-strengthening exercise are the best ways to keep bones strong. Variety is good for bones, which you can achieve with different movements, directions and speeds, like when you're dancing, says Wiggins. Short bursts of activity can be best, such as running, followed by a jog, or jogging, followed by a walk. 7. Take vitamin D. Low levels of vitamin D can increase the risk of osteoporosis, as vitamin D helps the body absorb and use calcium, essential for bones. The vitamin is created in the body if skin is exposed to enough sunlight, but a UK winter will not generally offer enough adequate sunlight for our bodies to do this, which is why it's recommended people take a daily supplement of 10 micrograms of vitamin D from October to April. 8. Support bone health through diet. There are many other nutrients that are also vital in helping bones stay healthy and strong. The ROS recommends people eat a healthy, balanced diet, including foods from the four main food groups, fruit and vegetables, proteins like beans, eggs, fish and meat, carbohydrates, cereals, bread, potatoes, pasta, and dairy and dairy alternatives. And point nine, stop or reduce smoking and alcohol intake. Smoking slows down the cells that build bones, but it's not too late, stresses Wiggins. If you give up smoking, your risk of breaking a bone begins to return to normal. Alcohol also increases the risk, says the ROS, with government advice is to drink no more than 14 units a week. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Ronald Arthur Doggett, known as Ron, aged 88 years. Peter Hosier, known as Sam, aged 83 years. And Dorothy Ann Thompson, aged 85 years. May they all rest in peace. A list of unclaimed estates in Hemel Hempstead has been made public by the Treasury. So if your surname is one of these, you might be in the money. When a, a person dies without a valid will and no one from their family steps forward to claim their assets, the estate is considered to be unclaimed. When this happens, the deceased person's assets are ownerless property and are under the possession of the Crown. However, if family members think they are entitled to a portion of the deceased relative property, they have 12 years from the time the Crown takes possession of the estate to come forward. The Treasury will accept claims for unclaimed estates from before 1997 up to 30 years from the date of death, subject to no interest being paid on the money held if the claim is filed after the 12-year window has passed. Who is entitled to an unclaimed estate? According to the government website, if someone dies without leaving a valid or effective will, the following are entitled to the estate in the order husband, wife or civil partner, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren and so on, mother or father, brothers or sisters who share both the same mother and father 
or their children, the nieces and nephews. Half-brothers or sisters or their children. Half means they share only one parent with the deceased. Grandparents, uncles and aunts or their children. Half-uncles and aunts or their children. Half means they only share one grandparent with the deceased, not both. If you are, for example, a first cousin of the deceased, you would only be entitled to share in the estate if there are no relatives above you in the order of entitlement. For example, a niece or nephew. Surnames of the unclaimed properties in decorum are Biner, Dace, Field, Giroff, Hannon, Hobbs, Jeske, Milton, Scrivener, Smith, Vader and Winter. Anyone who believes they might be entitled to a share of an unclaimed estate should contact the Treasury on the Government website. What's on? Music. The Dolly Show, Grove Theatre Dunstable, January the 14th. West End star Kelly O'Brien performs the beloved hits of country legend Dolly Parton, recreating the vitality and voice of the little lady from Tennessee with hits such as Nine to Five, Baby I'm Burning and Islands in the Stream. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. Comedy. Screaming Blue Murder Comedy Club, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, January the 23rd. The Old Town Hall's resident monthly comedy club returns. Adam Bloom and Abby Carter Simpson perform with Bennett Aaron as compare. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Family Theatre. The Adventures of Captain Calamity. Watford Palace Theatre, January the 14th. Theatre-goers are promised a wild mix of magic and mayhem like no other. Expect jaw-dropping family fun and insanity, featuring marvellous magic, baffling balloon bursting, beautiful bubbles, silly science, gigglesome games, cheeky tunes, custard pies, and enough craziness to send all ages into fits of giggles. The Symphony of Disaster is conducted by a very smelly dragon, a mad scientist, a travelling musical storyteller, a swabby desperate to be a pirate, and the biggest buffoon of all, Captain Calamity. The show is ideal for ages 4 to 12 and runs for 55 minutes with no interval. Visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk to book. On Wednesday, 18th of January, at 8pm, Berkhamsted Local History and Museum Society are holding a talk at Berkhamsted Old Town Hall about the history of the Grand Junction Canal, later known as the Grand Union Canal, which was completed in 1811. Tickets are £3 on the door. And on Thursday, the 19th of January, at 7.30pm, Berkhamsted School are hosting an evening with the Reverend Richard Coles, a former pop star turned Church of England vicar, broadcaster and best-selling author, as well as presenting BBC Radio 4 Saturday Live, 
Coles has also appeared on the Radio 2 breakfast show, Have I Got News For You, Would I Lie To You, QI, Strictly Come Dancing, and Celebrity Masterchef. His work as a broadcaster, priest, and formative years in the music industry make Richard a delightfully entertaining, articulate, and very funny speaker, recalling many extraordinary and humorous anecdotes of his journey from pop star to priest. Tickets are £10. School students are free. Decorum residents can now sign up to a subscription to have their garden waste collected. Decorum Borough Council has introduced the charge, which is currently at £45 per green-lidded bin for the year. Residents will need to sign up to the new paid service if they would like to have their garden waste collected. Those who regularly create more waste than can be fitted in their green-lidded bin can also request an additional green-lidded bin for a one-off £25 plus the subscription charge of £45 per bin. Garden waste collections will restart from the fortnight beginning on 27th February. Green-lidded bins are for garden waste only, like grass, hedge cuttings, leaves, twigs, small branches, flowers, prunings and weeds. You can sign up for the service by going to www.decorum.gov.uk slash home environment hyphen street hyphen care slash recycling refuse hyphen waste and following the links. Now basketball. Hemel Storm have progressed to the National Cup final after beating MK Breakers in front of a record-breaking crowd last Sunday. With the place in the final at stake, Storm did not disappoint, winning the game 98-93 in front of a sold-out Stormdome. The game started slowly with both teams attempting to gain control early on, but two alley-oops in the space of three minutes and three pointers from Taylor Johnson saw Storm race off to a good lead. However, Breaker's resilience was a pivotal factor preventing Storm from easy shots, responding with the three-point accuracy of Spencer and Langley. Storm showed great discipline to extend their control in the game, with them ending the first quarter 28-15 up. Storm showed their dominance at the start of the second quarter, extending their lead to 18, with a 3.30 gone. But once again, breakers were building small scoring runs to constantly apply pressure, which led to moments of misjudgment and miscommunication, which saw many turnovers and vital possessions wasted for both teams. Breakers managed to limit the lead to single figures before a swift response from Storm saw them ahead 55-44 at half-time. The third quarter saw Breakers apply their game plan to perfection and frustrate Storm and limit them to only 15 points, reducing the lead to 70-66 at the end of the third. Storm responded well, but Breakers continued to show perseverance and determination to get a result causing some nervousness among the Storm faithful. A layup from Hakim Sila forced coach Bedo onto a timeout with Storm leading 84-76. The atmosphere was electric from both sets of supporters 
who joined together to create a fantastic advert for British basketball. Within a minute, with a minute left to play, it looked like Storm were coasting into the final, but a lapse of concentration saw MK shoot free throws in a desperate attempt to try and make a last-minute comeback. However, Storm took the victory 98-93, therefore securing their place in the National Cup final against Derby Trailblazers in Manchester on January the 22nd. The top scorers were Taylor Johnson, 31 points, Aaron Rye, 26, Sam Newman, 17. Storm go to Bradford Dragons on Saturday the 14th. Football. There were important wins for both Hemel Hempstead Town and Burke Hempstead last weekend. The Tudors earned their first victory under new boss Brad Quinton with a 2-0 success at home to Hampton and Richmond. Hemel just, just edged a tight encounter that looked like it was heading for stalemate but which all changed on the hour mark when Quinton made two substitutions which altered the course of the game. The Tudors took the lead on 64 minutes, just after the introduction of Luke Holness and Kane Lewis. The ball was fed down the right channel and the H&R fullback looked to have it covered, but he allowed it to bounce and Holness was onto it in a flash. He fired a shot in from the angle that keeper Alan Julian did well to block, but the rebound bounced up kindly and the Hemel striker headed home. The win was sealed on 71 minutes when Charlie Hughes fed the ball through to Holness. His initial shot was blocked and John Castiglione was there to drive in an effort from the edge of the box, which Julian saved well, but Hughes had followed up and he tucked it home to make it 2-0 and seal the points. And we'll go to Dartford on Saturday before hosting Quinton's former club Braintree on Tuesday. Berkhampstead, meanwhile, are seven points clear at the top of the SPL Division Central after a 6-1 win over FC Romania. Ryan Blake, Ali Bangura, Jack Tompkins, a brace from Jonathan Lacey and Josh Chamberlain got the goals for Burko, who go to Kempston Rovers on Saturday before then hosting Welling Garden City on Tuesday. <coughs> On Thursday, 4th of May 2023, local elections are taking place across England, including decorum. To, to vote at a polling station, you will need to bring photo ID. The ID required from, May the, from 4th of May 2023, voters in England will need to show photo ID to vote at polling stations in some elections. This will apply to local elections, police and crime commissioner elections, UK parliamentary by-elections and recall petitions. From October 2023, it will also apply to UK general elections. If you don't have accepted photo ID, you can apply for a free voter ID document, which is known as a voter authority certificate. The Electoral Commission know that some groups are more likely to experience barriers with this change and may need support to access photo ID. Organisations working directly with voters, including local authorities and charities, can help voters make sure they have photo ID ahead of the elections. 
they have created PACs for organisations in England to help them raise awareness and support voters with applying for a voter authority certificate if needed. The PACs also include information on voter registration. They have also created resources to help those who are likely to need support with the new voter ID requirement, including disabled people, gypsy, roma and traveller communities, older people, people experiencing homelessness, people who are registered to vote anonymously, trans and non-binary people. Life on Tap with Blaze Tap, who writes, Give me a great community over posh any day. If, like me, you have an unhealthy diet of digital news, the chances are that you will have seen at least one article this week suggesting that a town you've heard of stands a chance of being named the best place to live in the UK. I'll save you the bother. Unless you live somewhere where every second car is a Range Rover or boasts at least two delis which flog organic mozzarella that has been harvested from pedigree buffalo, the place you call home is unlikely to feature in any of the countless best places lists that crop up with tedious regularity. Typically, if your town and city is within an hour's train journey of London, then there's a fair chance that a picture of your local high street will adorn such a list, the criteria for which tends to include house prices, standard of schools, accessibility, and whether or not residents are content with their lot. Inevitably, this excludes large parts of the country, usually because many places don't have a Waitrose or a Michelin-starred restaurant within a five-minute Uber journey. Such rules mean that very lovely places in the Cotswold, Surrey, Hampshire or West Sussex feature in such lists year after year. Of course, towns in the north do feature too, but they tend to be in parts of Cheshire, where it is mandatory for men not to wear socks and for their wives or girlfriends not to be able to move their foreheads. If you can't order a chip balm cake and you are able to see through your pint, then it isn't really the north. I don't have anything against affluent places from South Manchester to Cheltenham and back again. We've been lucky enough to live in several places that deserve the nice town label. However, the places where I've been happiest are where the community spirit has been the strongest, and I'm not sure any of the best town and city guides take this into consideration. For many of us, Knowing your neighbours well enough to ask them if you can borrow their electric sander or strimmer is more important than being able to take your pick of where to buy a freshly made chai latte, as is knowing that the local community will rally round you and your family when the chips are really down. At the weekend, I lost 10 minutes of my life by reading an article in a quality newspaper with the headline, The 22 Poshest Villages in England, featuring some really lovely locations, several of which I have visited over the years. I know for a fact that several of those featured are quieter during the week or term time because well-heeled property owners consider these villages their weekend homes or bolt holes, something that doesn't make for strong communities. Nor does the fact that youngsters who consider these places to be home have no realistic chance of staying there unless they want to remain in their childhood bedroom, Ed Sheeran posters and all well into their forties. The towns I've enjoyed visiting the most are the ones where you can smell the history and traditions, 
which is difficult to do if the inhabitants have only lived there for five minutes. While there's nothing wrong with aspiration, measuring the appeal of a location based on how many million pound-plus houses it has can't be sustainable if we want to preserve the charm and character of our beautiful towns and villages for future generations. It would be nice to know whether towns on these lists boast pubs where locals greet strangers with a smile, or if local GP surgeries have enough space for newcomers. If we are being realistic, most of us will never own a six-bedroom house with an orangery, but do we want to be proud of where we live? Yes, we do. Mary Berry, much loved the great British Bake Off judge, has been teaching the nation to cook since first appearing on our TV screens in the early 1970s, and she remains as popular today as ever. Self-admittedly hopeless by academic standards, Mary Berry studied at Bath College of Domestic Science after leaving school, and then at the Paris Le Cordon Bleu when she was 21, recalling, I didn't like Paris at all. I stuck out, but it wasn't the highlight of my time. Born in Bath in 1935, it was in the swinging 60s that Mary landed the role of cookery editor of Housewife magazine. That same decade, in 1966, she married Paul Hunnings, but their relationship wasn't so straightforward, with Mary admitting to Sue Perkins, podcast an hour or so with that she played the field. Paul was the London one and I had a Bath one. As actually there were several in Bath. You keep your options open. Taking more attempts than Mary probably ever has to perfect a recipe, it eventually took Paul three proposals to succeed in getting her to say yes. She refused the first time because he was drunk. The couple tied the knot at Charlecombe Church near Bath, with Mary wearing a five-pound dress and revealing she'd made her own wedding cake. Paul and Mary had three children, two sons and a daughter. Tragically, their second-born son, William, died aged 19 in a car crash. Today, home for Mary and retired antique bookseller Paul is a four-bedroom home with separate cottage, indoor pool and gym in Henley, Oxfordshire. Paul is wonderful. He's always there for me. But him do the cooking? You must be joking. I do the cooking at home, and on the rare occasions I am not well, he will always make an omelette. After two or three omelettes, I'm usually better. With more than 80 books to her credit, her first published in 1966, How Does Mary, who was made a CBE in 2012, and the honour of Damehood in 2020, keep her classic recipes modern and relevant. I adapt them by updating and using new ingredients, such as baking spreads, new fruits and vegetables, new grains like quinoa and puis lentils. These are all modern ingredients if you compare them to when the classics were invented. With Christmas upon us, Mary and Paul, who have five grandchildren, a son, Thomas's two girls, Abby and Grace, and daughter Annabelle's three children, Louise, Toby and Atlanta, have previously told how they refused to spoil them over the festive season. Said Mary, we're good at keeping to a budget and nearly always give them an experience, like sailing lessons or tennis lessons. 
the couple entertain family at home for Christmas. We always have the family over. We have a turkey and all the trimmings, fresh veg, Christmas pudding, trifle, mince pies. I love doing the cooking, but we share it on Christmas Day, said Mary. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 8.03am and 4.19pm. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on a Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhamel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say... Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Andrew, your technician for this week. Goodbye.